Hello and welcome to BagaCast uh, for the week of January 18th, 2018. I'm your host Dustin and this is the first, uh, well I guess not technically first week of the winter season, but our first recording for the winter season. And uh, joining me for this auspicious occasion is Ben. Yo. Larry. Really? Uh, and uh, Aaron is not with us because he is currently celebrating his birthday in Las Vegas. Yeah, losing his um, shirt. Yeah, well, and well, as per the ancient pact the universe made with Las Vegas, we are not allowed to speak of what is happening there. <laughs> uh, but that's okay because we have Emerald here today. Hey, it's me, uh, em- Emerald or Emily, whichever one you prefer. Yeah, we. Uh, we have. I asked Emerald to be on here to uh, help us talk about Card Captor Sakura, because she is very much a fan of it. I am a huge fan of Card Captor Sakura. I love it. It's one of my favorite animes ever. And also, I was uh, kind of missing having some uh, new voices in the Baka Cast uh, co-host inventory. I really need to come up with a better term for that. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, "Hey, this would be uh, with Clear Card Hen coming out. It would be a good, I good, you know, time to get someone else on here, so that it's not just me and Ben and Larry constantly." So we will go ahead and start out. Wait, hold on. I completely skipped the rest of the intro. You can find show notes. <laughs> For this episode at www.projectre.net or at audioentropy.com, uh, which you know, Emerald, you have some podcasts there, right? I think. Yeah, I have. I have like four, maybe. I think four. It might be three. I I lose I lose track of all the podcasts each person has there. I just assume there's at least like two. Yeah, I think. Okay. Warren, Beasley, Passions, Hiffle. I think that's four, yeah. Yeah, Comes from popularity. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so let's start out with uh, Card Captor Sakura Clear Card, Mm -hmm. Episodes 1 and 2. Man, it has been a while since we've had a Card Captor anime, huh? Yeah, since uh, the 90s, I think. I don't think it even broke into 2000s, that series. That feels right. Uh, especially since Card Captor Soccer's animation, when they do a flashback to it in uh, this first episode, uh, well, a diegetic flashback, in fact, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's very nineties. Um, it's it's a beautiful show, the nineties series. Actually, like it's really well animated. Like I was watching some other series from the same era at the same time as watching Card Captor Soccer again, and I'm like, I, I was amazed how much better it is than other shows of that era yeah. i mean every now and then you have like an episode that like has a little little bit less of a budget but little yeah. so many little details and that stuff yeah which is to be expected from his animation studio madhouse which i always forget that madhouse is the one who animated card capture sakura because it's it's not really in their typical wheelhouse oh, yeah? uh madhouse contains multitudes that okay, that's that's true. They tend to do a lot of stuff, but I feel like they're more often known for their like action and uh, more like seinen and shonen stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they famously 
animated Ninja Scroll, which is about as far oh, from Card Soccer as you could possibly get. <laughs> I can't believe they're animated by the same people. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure are. Uh, they did wow. they did Peru. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, they they did, and I always forget that as well until you mention it. And I'm like, oh right, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're doing a couple uh, of anime this season too. Uh, yes, they are. Um, so yeah, the studio being Madhouse definitely explains why that original series had the quality animation it did. And uh, yeah, the original run ran from 1998 to 2000, so it ended right at the end of the 90s. Do you know what I also remember almost the movies came out. Uh, let's see here. The sealed card came out in 2000, I believe. Yeah, July 15th, 2000. Uh, and the first movie came out in August 21st, 1999. So during its its airing. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, the only thing I remember about Card Captor Sakura is Sakura herself and her lesbian friend and <laughs> the the cute animal and also like the the cool bird wand uh so this first episode was a lot of who the hell are you okay uh, so I, I read the i read i i never watched the original uh the original anime but i read the manga several years ago so i i mean yeah i i, I had that thing with like I had that same feeling of like, oh wait, oh okay, that's who that guy was. <laughs> you know, as like, is like sort of refreshing my memory of like, you know, of the original story. <sighs> so, so I, I, I remembered a lot from back in the day, but I also am recently have been rewatching a series with my girlfriend, and so like everything looks really familiar to me. It's actually really cool in uh, this Clearheart episode seeing the house and like all the different locations from the original series but like oh yeah <laughs> new and and shiny very bright and fuzzy this anime looks very bright and fuzzy compared to the old one <laughs> yeah, it's got new hd cells <laughs> yeah it's, it's cool <laughs> um I, I mean like i don't know how much you guys want me to talk about the original here but um it, it's it's I a mean, very good go series. Go ahead, and, like we can we can bullshit for a while. <laughs> okay, well it's it, it's a very good series, and it's definitely worth looking back on. Like it still holds up today. Like again, the animation looks amazing, and like the characters, and it's just a very pleasant, fun show to watch. I will say that there's a lot of problematic elements in it, so be wary of that. Like it's that's the shame of the show because it's like ninety. 8% an amazing show but then they have stuff where it's like Sakura's dad married Sakura's mom when she was 16 and he was a teacher <laughs> and, oh, and then you know like like I don't, I don't know if you guys noticed in the first episode of the series they mention in Clear Card that they mention that Rika is in a different school this um, one character I vaguely remember that yeah it's very it's very quick where they're like oh this other character who was in the original series and it was cool i'm very glad that she's not there not because she's a bad character or anything but her storyline in, in the original manga is that she's in love with one of the it's she's in love with their homeroom teacher and in the original manga they get engaged oh while she's in fourth grade i uh oh in the in the original anime they cut that out because obviously that's terrible. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, please they, they, please don't marry fourth graders. Yeah, they 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 kept in you know the dad being 
a child predator, but you know, at least Rika is not engaged to an adult. Uh, um, yeah, because this is this is Clamp we're talking about, and they have some weird psychosexual stuff going on in their mangas. Clamp likes to like have romances that are unconventional. I think, as they would call it, um, they're unconventional for a reason. A lot of the time, because they're. F- up but um yeah like i remember in uh oh god um code geass yeah. okay yeah um, relationships in there were very explicitly not okay well, yeah it's that well that was okay yeah they just did the character designs for that okay the, All right. that was uh, mean... yeah code geass that was uh that was sunrise's fault oh right yeah they, they have a lot of good romances in there too but yeah they have a, they have a fixation on student teacher stuff in in Cockup to Sakura like in beyond like her father and then Rika the her brother dated a teacher's assistant in middle school so like Jeez. yeah That's it's a it's large concentration of that particular fetish it's 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 very messed up and well I mean like one thing another thing I noticed about Cockup to Sakura is that it's like it's like totally spies in the fetish fuel it has but it's also super innocent and not gross about the fetish fuel so that's good like yeah, there's an episode uh, honest, where honestly compared to other magical girl series i've seen uh card captor sakura is one of the least problematic because uh, <laughs> let me tell you i really like the idea behind um the magical girl nanoha series but oh boy do i often feel uncomfortable watching that show <laughs> Oh no! Um, because uh, it, it um, feels more explicitly lollycon than Cardcaptor Sakura does. Oh yeah, Sakura Cardcaptor Sakura does not sexualize the characters. It does like romanticize them and make them, you know. I mean, they do. I, I say they don't sexualize, but they also have. I mean, even even in their like romance where the the fourth grader is dating is is, is engaged to the teacher, it's like they're like oh, it, but it's pure and innocent, and they're not going to do anything until they're older, and it's like, yeah, uh-huh. you know, it's it's gross. <laughs> So it's, so it's it's yeah it's more about like like uh, bubbles and sparkles and and flowers <laughs> and things well, like that. So upskirt shots. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't really like sure what they were gonna do with Rika because this, I wasn't sure if this anime was gonna like base itself off the manga or the anime. So I was very happy when they're just like she's not here. I'm like okay that's good, and like again nothing against the actual character, but the storyline attached to her is bad. Uh, but there's a lot of good romance in Kakap to Sakura as well, including Sharon and Sakura herself. It's a very well done romance. Um, Yukiko, who's the the white haired boy who turns into the white haired boy with wings late earlier in the episode. Uh, <laughs> oh right, I yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he he's. He, there were a lot of dudes turning into angels in the '90s too. <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah. of angel, a lot well, of angel wings back then. Well, um, he, he, that character and her older brother Toya are in a relationship. Like, they're canon gay together, so that's cool. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in there, too. Um, and that's was my, my favorite part of Clear Card, was seeing Shaoran and Sakura together again. And I was just squeeing the whole episode. Like, both episodes, everything was just really cute. Um, I guess to get away with my one negativity of the series is it's it's once again sakura has to gather all the power like i was kind of looking forward to her just having all the cards at the beginning of a series yeah and then getting new clear cards but apparently 
That's not what happens. All the cards become clear, and then she gets new cards that are also clear. And I'm not really sure what happened to her old cards, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, see, I, I had interpreted it as like all the cards became clear, and now she has to recapture those ones again, and they like metamorphosized. Uh, they might have also because yeah, I was going to say. But also, I'm not that siege. great at paying attention, so you could be entirely right <laughs> that also there are new clear cards too. Whoa. Well, I would yeah. say Gale and Siege are both not cards from the original series. Like, I actually own the entire Sakura deck, like physical oh, really? form, so because it's awesome. Like, I wish I, I wish I had the book. So <laughs> they are very good deck. card designs. Yeah, so Gale and Siege are both cards that don't did not exist before Clear Card, and they even kind of mention in the show like we don't we don't recognize this power. There's no force behind this it's kind of implying that all these new clear cards are still manifestations of sakura's powers but she needs to recapture them again for some reason i'm not sure yeah well okay yeah well the thing i the thing that stuck out for me uh from the original from the original from the original manga was how like you know sock sakura's whole you know yeah sakura's whole like the through line, you know, through the whole story was basically that was it was that it was all about self discovery. You know, it was about Sakura sort of learning about like what kind of person she was and what kind of person she wanted to be in her life. Um, yeah. I'm not really getting that in that feeling from the original yeah. series because because she kind of almost seems like a fully like if you had one complaint about sakura as a character she's kind of you could say that she's a mary sue because she's kind of she's kind of fully realized at the beginning of a series and she continues to be fully realized yeah throughout the whole I, series she's still a great character because she's just done so well and she's so pleasant like i i love sakura yeah i like i don't remember a whole lot of the original series and i kind of saw it in bits and pieces but uh, from what I remember, I don't recall a whole lot of character development for Sakura. And uh, she feels very much like how she started back in the mm-hmm. original series um, at the start of Clear Card. The character uh, that got feel... the most development in the original series, I'd say, is Sharon. Yeah, I, I feel like Cardcaptor Sakura as a series just in general is less about character development and more about just the characters you know interacting with each other and getting into magic shenanigans Mm -hmm. i guess one more thing i want to say about it before i move on to you guys' takes on the episode um is that clamp's so into doing unconventional romances but they're all problematic i would they're not going to ever do this but i would really love that they're like hey let's do an unconventional romance that's not problematic and just make tomio sakura and sharon a polyamorous couple because yeah i was gonna say because it it felt like even though sharon is a good character whenever she shows up it feels like the show saying oh no guys sakura is heterosexual we promise i I mean in the in the show (laughs) canonically sakura does have a crush on like okay like again these characters probably just flew right by you, but there's an older woman with the character Ariel in England. She is a character that was a teacher for Sakura, and she had a crush on her. So, I mean, she's like... <laughs> How many explicitly... people have crushes on teachers in this show? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's, she's explicitly... She, she seems explicitly to me bi. So, I mean, oh, okay. she, just doesn't, she just doesn't like Tomio. 
for whatever reason. But like, <laughs> poor that, Tokyo, I, I just, constantly making dresses. But but like here, like in the ending theme, they're walking together, holding hands, and then like in the second episode, they're you know same bed together, having like a sleepover. And I'm like, fuck, just make them a couple, just fucking do it. Like she can still yeah. date Sharon. Like have a fucking oh shit, sorry. Okay, I you have to bleep <laughs> me out there. I'm sorry. Have a good um, just have a have a good polyamorous couple on tv do it clamp don't be cowards <laughs> it's okay bleeps are allowed yeah. yeah so yeah let, let's go ahead and talk about the first episode here uh which is partially a catch-up episode uh in case you have forgotten uh what happened the basics of uh, the original series since it has been oh 18 years, approximately. Uh, and also an introduction of the basic concept of Clear Card. Uh, so there's a lot of like, hey, here's this character, um, along with, I can never remember the, like, uh, f- Sakura's familiar's name. Caro. Or Cerberus or Caro. Right, Caro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like Caro's design. Um, there aren't a whole lot of... I feel like his design is one of the best ones among the various, like, magical girl cute creature Oh, I love Caro. He's the best. Um, also, I just like his attitude. Uh, um, but yeah, so it, it kind of starts with him explaining, like, what the hell is even going on. It's like, oh yeah, this is Sakura. She's rad. She collects a bunch of magic cards. Uh, also, here is Tomio. She is constantly filming Sakura and making dresses <laughs> for her. That is her entire character. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and then, so we've got a bunch of that in the first half of the episode, which is fine. Um, and then we've got Sakura having a weird dream with a strange person in in robes and then glass shatters and when she wakes up oh no her cards are all gone (laughs) repeated dream sequences was a thing in the first series like you saw this one prophetic dream like like 20 times before you got to the actual scene in the first series so i'm like i guess that's gonna happen again here (laughs) yeah probably uh and yeah that basically starts the series with sakura going oh crap all my cards are gone what happens now and then episode two they don't bother really talking about it much at all at the start instead you've got sakura and tomoyo hanging out at school uh also they spend a little bit of time teaching you how to make a a no-bake cheesecake Like, there's literally a section before the eye catch where they straight up give you the recipe. I loved it. It was good. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with that. I kind of miss when shows would do that. Uh, I, I know I've sung the praises of Yakitate Japan on this podcast before, but I seriously love how every episode of Yakitate Japan ends with them telling you how to make a particular type of bread. Oh, actually... Uh... Oh, okay, one show you should check out is uh, there was a short show last year called Piace Watashino Italian, which is uh, 
and like the ending, the ending credits of each episode had a different Italian recipe. Huh. Interesting. That also seems like it would be a lot more complicated than cheesecake or a bread. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that sounds neat. Um, so yeah, like that's honestly most of the first half. <laughs> oh God. <clears throat> no, my chili's going down the wrong windpipe. No. Um, no, 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 choking the, I'm fine. no choking the host. I'm good. Uh, but yeah, so the first half is largely slice of life stuff. Uh, and then in the second half, then we get the plot development with uh, Sakura encountering the Gale card, I believe you said it was. Uh, yeah, the Gale card's actually in the first episode, the very end. Oh. She catches the Gale card. Okay, she catches the Okay. And the second episode yeah. is she gets the Siege card. Oh, second episode is the Siege card. Okay, I swapped them. Um, but yeah, so she encounters the card and then captures it and is like, ooh, neat, it's like transparent. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I... Like, they were definitely uh, your very typical opening episodes. Um... Uh, what do you what do you guys think? Uh, I haven't seen episode two yet, uh, but right. I liked ep- I liked episode one a lot. I'll give it a four. Yeah, I feel like they were you know pretty typical, like solid but not really uh, outstanding first episodes. <laughs> uh, they were they were very uh, kind of utilitarian in function, but with you know enough. Uh, you know, fun character interactions that I didn't really mind. It, it was uh, so charming. I, it was charming yeah. is what it was. Yeah. Also, again, Card Captor Sakura is a very pretty show, so it's also just, like, very pleasing to watch, just from an aesthetic point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'll definitely give both episode one and two fours. What is the scoring scheme for this? Uh, what, oh, sorry. Yeah, one to five. I probably shouldn't have mentioned that. I probably should have mentioned that. I was going to say four sounded low, but I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, because you're probably thinking, yeah, because, yeah, if we were doing like a one to ten scale, then that would seem extremely bad considering how we just talked about the episodes. <laughs> yeah, on a, on it's a like, one to God, what are your standards? On a one to, on a one to ten scale, very yeah, loose. It's a, it, on a one to ten scale, it's, equivalent, it's the equivalent of an eight. Got uh, you. Um,. Yeah, I guess um, uh, if I was going to give it a rating, I'd probably, if you can do 0.5s, I would give it a 4.5 because, like, again, like, I'm a huge fan. So these first episodes were full of fan service. Like, Shaoran and Sakura getting together is, like, because the end of a series is that Shaoran leaves to Hong Kong and comes, and then, you know, like, he, he doesn't come back, really. And then this, you get to see him come back, and it's just, it's very sweet and cute, and very fan servicey to people who liked the series so because i'm a fan like a huge and fan also I'd apparently a... fan servicey to tomoyo as well <laughs> i would give it a, a 4.5 just because of like how much of a fan i am i got that extra 0.5 but again i i, I kind of don't like how they're just kind of doing the same thing again yeah yeah it is a little disappointing that uh it's basically the premise like almost the exact same premise as the first original series yeah and if you compare like the first episode of carcap to sakura to the first episode of this i would say that carcap to sakura wins out it's a much more exciting capture of a card like that's the one thing about this series too that that gives it a a dock is that she doesn't have rollerblades anymore what the heck oh right yeah (laughs) 
She's still like she ride not. rollerblades everywhere. Like the first card she catches, she like wall rides and jumps on top of a giant bird. It's so cool. Oh gosh, yeah, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. She, she <laughs> was a like shockingly good roller skater for an well, elementary yeah. school. Well, that's, well, that's <laughs> actually that's actually <clears throat> like yeah, there was that bit when she was doing the 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 high jump in the first episode. I mean, she's been established as a very athletic girl. Oh, yeah, she's very athletic. She, like, what, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, like, a while back. I think that's what sparked me being on this episode, actually, was I was talking about how good the show is, and I was talking about how Sakura, for a magical girl, doesn't really have a lot of extra powers. She could do card magic, but without her cards, she doesn't, she doesn't have a magical transformation. She doesn't gain any uh, skills or abilities. So when she's, like, spinning that staff... And when she's doing her flips and jumps and everything, that's all her as a person. Like, that's what she can do as a human being and not, like, extra magical powers. And I thought that was kind of interesting and sets her apart from other magical girl shows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like how that um, makes her a lot more different from other magical girls. Simply yeah. Because, yeah... She she actually just has the ability to do a lot of the stuff she does in real life. Just as ha- just having the staff also allows her to <laughs> channel magic and capture cards. And also, she's like the she's the best kid. Like there's that one scene where she's like, "I haven't seen his key in a while because I haven't used it." And I'm like, "Girl, if I had magical powers, I'd be using that stuff every day." <laughs> yeah, like she's I know, very right? responsible. She's she's inhumanly responsible child. <laughs> Yeah, so I really, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I am looking forward to uh, the later episodes, which hopefully will be, uh, have a little more stuff going on. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> curious here, because Kakam Sakura has never had an antagonist. Like, it's always been, like, the first season is, like, first first section of the story is her trying to capture all the cards. There's no really antagonist, though. And then in the second half of the first series is, her trying to turn the cards into Sakura cards and like Ariel, that one kid is kind of the antagonist, but he's actually just trying to help her. So there's not really any antagonists and it looks like they're trying to build one up in this series. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's true. Like most, it was mostly just the cards that were the antagonists. So uh, man versus nature, if you will. <laughs> well, As opposed to man well, versus man. Well, the whole, well, yeah, well, the whole thing was that, <clears throat> The whole point of, like, the cards getting out in the first place was that it was all set up in order to teach her. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so, uh, I believe that'll be it for this review, yeah. unless so uh, anybody has anything more so to say about it. So that's why I said, like, that, you know, that Sakura's character arc in the first series was all about learning. Yeah, she does learn to be a better magician. I would say that, but I'm not sure if that's, that's kind of the thing is I didn't really think she grew as like a human being just as like, I can do magic better now, but sure. I get what you're saying. All right. So, um, I believe that'll be it for this review of, uh, Cardcaptor Sakura. Uh, thank you, Emerald, for being on with us. Uh, you know, we'll, Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, it was fun. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks when we do this again. Yeah. Awesome. And if you watch more anime, you can talk about more anime. I'll try to do that, maybe. Yeah.
I have a list here, so I'll, I'll write these down. <laughs> oh, well. Maybe don't write all of them down. Cause yeah, because we're going to narrow it down to five by the time we get off. So when we get to five, maybe Dusty will send you the list of the five we're watching. Yeah, especially don't watch Killing Bites. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, but but maybe put Magus Bride in a place further than the universe on your list. Cause... Hey, I like Killing Bites. But then, uh, but well, then again, you like have... Dungeon and Dragon, so well, we're we're gonna have an interesting conversation near the end of this episode. Then, <laughs> I think I'll All take right. a nap. I think I'll take a nap. Nice meeting you. Come All back right. more often. Now. Oh, thanks. Nice meeting you guys too. All right. So continuing on, a little surprises, uh, boss. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like All bolts. Right. I, I like bolts out of the blue. I really do. <laughs> Let's talk about Ancient Magus's Ride, episodes thirteen and fourteen. Uh, with episode thirteen starting with adorable floating sheep bugs. Yeah. <laughs> we have to shear them. Oh, but don't shear the feet. Oh, now you tell me. Um, Chise is becoming more comfortable communicating with Elias, which is good. I, I'm I'm happy to see this uh, come about because I was getting a little worried there that it was going to end up. Well, I don't know what to say to him, and we're going to get twelve episodes of what I don't know what to say to him. It's like no, I didn't want that. She is starting to develop a crush on him. It seems. A, well, I think she's realizing what it is like to be loved because I think at one time in her life she might have been loved, but uh, that rapidly disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember. This is this where we start making the eyelid potion, or is that the next episode? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. This is this is where uh, Elias fleeces a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of the like bug sheep, uh, and then uh, they also encounter like the the one that steals warmth from people. Ah, yeah, the one that he warns her don't touch, and oh, I touched, and yeah. and she gets the big chill, literally. Yeah, and then apparently, uh, I'm not sure if this was revealed before, but uh, Ruth has flame breath. Yeah. Uh, Okay, right, so his name is spelled Ruth, but it's not pronounced that way. It's actually pronounced Roots. Roots, okay. Yeah, like the uh, television series. Uh, Yeah. It's it's interesting watching that interaction, trying to figure out what's going on. So I'm uh, I don't know what to think about this yet. Um, well, structurally, it was kind of all over the place. Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because like the starting episode was like cute with the sheep and you know and and yeah and it were showing like Chise and Elias growing closer together. And then at the end of the episode, <clears throat> that dude showed up and like uh, and turned Chise into a fox. Yeah, and that was the that was the cliffhanger at the end of the episode. Yeah, he just yeah he just kind of shows up like out of the blue. 
Uh, he said that was her real form. Uh, well, no. <laughs> well, on the one hand, he says that, but also, on the other hand, you can never, ever trust magic users in this show. Ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not fully, anyway. Well, that's why I'm was, yeah, I, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm listening to what you guys were saying, because you have a tendency to, I watch something, and you guys watch something, and you see something I don't, so I'm waiting for the, you see something I don't part, and so far, everybody here is kind of drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, yeah, that dude showing up just sort of, sort of came out of nowhere, and then, uh, and then it was, you know, and then it was dealt with in, then it was dealt with in the next episode pretty quickly yeah like very quickly it was barely even a conflict it felt like like as he shows up turns her into a fox then very next episode she comes back and she's no longer a fox it's like okay i'm not entirely sure what the point of that was well well i I think it was kind of uh i think it was kind of meant as a test it it definitely felt that way but also I guess it felt kind of pointless because we've had similar tests for Chise in the past where someone has tried to lead her away from Elias's home and she's come back to it. So it felt redundant. Like, I'm pretty sure that exact thing happened in, like, the second episode with the fairies. Um, granted, the fairies didn't turn her into a fox, but it's the same idea where they were tempting her away from Elias's home and saying, like, oh, you should be free to go wherever you want instead of staying with him. Uh, but she decides to stay with him instead. Yeah, this, uh, uh, this dragon... So it just her. felt kind of redundant considering all the other times we've had something similar happen to Chise and, ha- and have seen her make that choice. Yeah, this, uh, this running yeah. away from home bit, we, we need to stop because... Uh, she she seems to get herself in quite a bit of trouble in the second episode. Uh, uh, unknowingly, well, she does something and doesn't realize what the repercussions of it are until she's already done it. And then the fairy king shows up and says, oh, you know, you did this, but that was bad. And watch what's going to happen to you. Surprise. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so the, uh, so episode 14, I think, uh, there's, uh, yeah, there, there, there's a, there's more to it going on, and uh, I thought the way episode fourteen, I mean, once they dealt with like the fox transformation thing, uh, the rest of the episode, like, really built up and got good. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like episode fourteen quite a bit more. Uh, also, because I just like uh, Leonin Sheed, I believe it is. It's uh, Leonin She. Okay. Uh, yeah, because, that pronunciation okay. always screws me up. Okay, just remember, Celtic pronunciation, the, an H is a backspace. You just delete okay. the letter before it. Alright, gotcha. Leon and she. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like her character a lot, um, and I think her uh, crush on the dude is like pretty charming actually uh so episode 14 was actually you know was actually tugged on my emotions pretty well yeah yeah when uh yeah when uh when 
Yeah, when Joel, the uh, the writer dude, and uh, the Leon she had their heart to heart, I had some feels there. Yeah, it was it was a really good scene, um, and I like the one before it when uh, Elias, because Elias doesn't know how to. He has literally no tact. He doesn't really know how to interact with people uh, very well. Just starts saying things matter-of-factly, but in the most blunt and seemingly uncaring way possible. Uh, sort of the, and I really like the scene after directly at following that where uh, Lilene and she goes outside and she, she say, runs after her. Uh and she kind of has a moment of realization where she at once is uh, saying uh, the, the words coming out of her mouth are those of denial, uh, but only because she's trying to blunt the impact of what she knows is true. Well, you know, um, and I, when... felt, I felt that scene was handled very well. Well, you know, it's like Lindell says that, that Elias is still a child. And that being matter-of-factly and blunt, yes, a child can be that matter-of-factly and blunt just because they're, that's what children do. Yeah, so it, it, it sort of... It also helps, uh, I feel, to... Um, show partly why Elias needs Chise as much as Chise needs Elias. Uh, because as as powerful and intelligent as Elias is, he also has blind spots when it comes to social situations and like I don't necessarily want to say well, I guess, I guess kind of empathy, um, even though like he is very much a empathetic person, uh, he often does not necessarily understand the effects his words have on people. He's not mean. He's not trying to be mean. He just doesn't well, think he is being mean. Well, yeah, well, think about, the thing about Elias' empathy was that it was, it's, it was learned more intellectually later in life. Rather than being yeah. in, rather than being instinctive, yeah, and so he still gets into situations that trip him up. Yeah, so I really like what this episode does for uh, all of the characters involved. Uh, really, um, show like uh, showing Chise's initiative and working as a like sort of human counterbalance to Elias. Um, she's the one who has the idea to make the potion. <laughs> Um, and it's just a genuinely, like, touching episode. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm trying to remember, I do believe somewhere in there Chise was warned as she was making the potion that bad, you know, that humans shouldn't do things like this and bad things will happen. Yeah. Boy, did bad yeah, things Elias, happen. Elias, Elias outright tells her that the potion is not meant for humans. <laughs> yeah, so, I guess... At the end, where the uh, prince or king of the fairies, whatever his title is, shows up and says, "Oh, hey, this is fun, but uh, oh, you made a mistake," and yeah. and the spell befalls Chise, and 
Uh, of course, then again, this is the nice uh, cliffhanger ending that uh, this series has been good for. So we're going to have to wait the next week to see. I mean, we can't, shouldn't be able to kill Chisei off because she's a star, but Japanese, well, yeah, anime had, Jan- Japanese, Japanese anime has done weirder things in the past. Yeah, well, anyway, so I'm going to give episode 13 a 4 and episode 14 a 5. I, I will that. agree with those ratings. I, I can live with that. <clears throat> All right, let's go move on to um, Nanatsu no Taitsai, episode one. Uh, haven't seen it yet. I downloaded it, but didn't haven't uh, watched it yet. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you hang off? Why don't we hang off on that until next time? Because. Ben right. and I, Ben and I have seen the OVAs and the OV, the fourth OVA you need to see before you see the first episode of this. Well, they weren't actually OVAs; they were right. they were they were broadcast. Well, they're they're uh, labeled as such, so yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, they were broadcast as part of a kind of a foreshortened transitional season. Uh, they were in the same time slot as the second season of Arslan. Which was also foreshortened to eight episodes. Yep. So, Dusty, if you can find those somewhere, if you don't watch the first three, that's fine. But watch the fourth one because the fourth one sets up for what this season does. I mean, I'm not super interested in this show. Okay. But... <laughs> All right. I, I'm just saying. Uh, well, that's just for general. Anybody who's yeah. going, uh, how did this all happen? Well, go back and find that episode and watch it, and then everything will become apparent to you. Oh, also, I almost forgot. I did pull up a list of uh, where all these new shows are streaming because I remember we had someone ask us uh, to mention where you can watch these shows legally, and I completely forgot for the fall season, so I remember to do it this time. Uh, So as we review these new shows, I will be talking about where you can view them uh, if you uh, so choose to do so legally. Um. All right, so moving on to Violet Evergarden, episodes one and two. Uh, you can actually is Violet Evergarden even streaming anywhere? Uh, I don't. Uh, not I don't think sure, it is. Cause... Nope. Violet Evergarden is not streaming anywhere, so <laughs> you don't have legal yeah. options for it, as far as I can tell. Yeah, you uh, gotta wait till you gotta wait till Netflix. Uh... Oh, right, it's a Netflix anime, so you'd have to wait until Netflix releases the whole thing, because it's not a simulcast, because screw you, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Just like Little Witch. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Violet Ever Evergarden, episode one, I was initially skeptical about this show, just from the premise, because it seemed like it was going to be another one of these melodramas, and the fact that it was covering fairly well-trod uh, cliches of, oh, this, like, cute girl is uh, an artificial being, but she looks almost identical to a normal human girl, so, you know, she can still be sexy. Um, and I was very skeptical skeptical because of that, uh, but it ended up being actually very good and the sort of reliance on cliches and tropes I thought would happen, you know, was basically non-existent. Yeah, surprise. surprise. Right, yeah, because it turns out, because it turns out 
the through line of this show is about recovering from the trauma of war. Yeah, it's basically a show about PTSD, which is not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, but I'm grateful they are taking like a, a much more interesting tack with it. Yeah. Um, and also, like, specifically dealing with uh, uh, PTSD sort of in the... Um, as it as it relates to someone who does not have the emotional intelligence to even know that PTSD is what they are experiencing. Um, because the, the whole idea behind the... Uh, the, I believe they call them dolls, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that they are built for war. And they're technically not supposed to learn anything beyond what they need to learn to be able to p- kill stuff good. Uh, but the main character's commander, who we find out, you know, died before the series starts, um, fell in love with the main character and taught her a bunch of stuff like how to read and write and how to uh, like do some other stuff um, and uh, actually cared a lot about her. Um, but they never, but because they fell in love during wartime, they never really had a chance to uh, explore their emotions in a way that would allow her to really understand the things she was feeling and how to communicate them and how to reconcile them. So now he's gone, the like the one person she really trusted, and she's trying to deal with all of these unresolved feelings and trauma that she has experienced from her uh, time in the war, and also trying to figure out she... what she, what she is good for now that the war no longer exists. Uh, well, okay. Well, so uh, to clarify. Dolls are not just are like yeah the the dolls were uh, is actually the uh, the ghostwriters those are the ones that are referred to as dolls yeah oh okay uh all right for some reason I thought that doll was the generic term for the artificial humans no she doesn't they don't they don't no. really have a term for they don't really have a term for what violet is oh okay uh except awesome. Uh, I guess I, I yeah I guess I just completely did not I guess I completely missed that because I th- I was kind of the under the assumption that because they talk about the other some other women in there being dolls I thought oh so they're all artificial humans but apparently no that is not the case at all no yeah like uh, <laughs> yeah the other girls the other girls at that office are just regular girls okay I see but yeah. it's just, all right gotcha. that's like a big writers. difference. <laughs> Well, yeah, for some reason, yeah, for some reason, doll is just their job classification. Well, at the end of episode two, it te- it defines doll when he's sitting there talking to uh, uh, the the fancy popular gal who can write all the love letters. That yeah, uh, Violet shouldn't write love letters yet. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Violet still doesn't know that uh, Gilbert is dead, but uh, everybody, uh, we found out at the end of episode two, and as I figured, when 
everyone was being hesitant about saying anything about it. Yes, he's uh, he, but he he picks the most wonderful time to tell her right before he dies that he loves her. Yeah, <sighs> well, I mean, yeah, I know. When else are you gonna do it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but it's still like you know, dang. I mean, that's that's the one that got to me is when he when he's you know, right as he's dying, you know, he tells her he loves her. Well, that's fine and good and everything else, but you know, uh, seeing seeing what's I don't know it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the repercussions of his actions end up being. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, I I only got around to episode one, but I really liked what I saw. Well, you're gonna like two better because we've just done talked about a lot of. Well, we didn't talk about a whole lot of two, but we did mention some things out of two. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I was I was very very impressed with uh, this uh, with this show so far. Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm getting all on for it, so I'm going to give it a five. Uh, I'll yeah. give both episodes a five, and then next week you guys can catch up. Well, I saw episode two. Okay, and uh, I'm. I'm giving that one a five as well. So. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah. I'll give episode one a five. So we're we're working on that. Um, yeah, uh, I've I've actually I've like I've been reading I've like been reading like reviews from people who. Uh, people who read the original novel, uh, and they evidently they changed they changed some stuff around structurally, and, and some people actually like the show better than the book. Oh, it's one of those rare instances, huh? <clears throat> you mean somebody on the production committee actually did something right? Guess. <laughs> well, well, the thing is that actually Kyoto Animation is pretty good about getting the most out of their uh, out of their source material. Oh, I I, I mean that. like I, I, that was facetious. There should have uh, been yeah. there should have been a hit of cynicism in my comment, but maybe it didn't cynical out enough. All right. So who here watched Beatless? I did. I did. All right. This is the one this is one of the ones that was going to be on my list, but then I think Fathomless Blue, what maybe uh, tweeted about how kind of disappointing it was, so I put it on the lower end of my priorities, and I just didn't get around to it. I thought it was okay. Uh, I mean, structurally, it's a it's a robot girlfriend show. Oh, uh, you know. Oh no, it's more like a robot. Uh... I want. I don't want to say girlfriend. He took her on as an owner, and she's capable of doing uh, a lot of. It, it's like a steel make Kaguri, but it's it hasn't yeah. made it to the harem thing. Yeah, yet. well, it's she's a total waifu. So hmm. yeah, it's a robot uh, girlfriend show. Uh, okay. So what sort of so but, show bits, but more shonen. Uh yeah. Although Chopitz could have got never mind. Um, I I don't know. The first episode there was I mean, we started laying out a plot, but it's like it could have gone another twenty minutes. In other words, there, it would have been nice to see the second episode trying to say anything. I'm going to kind of put it on hold until the second episode airs. Uh, yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, the, the, there's some interesting there's some interesting world building details, uh, which I think uh, puts it a cut above puts it puts it a cut above the it's the you know usual genre. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, because because like, there's like these all these shots of you know how people interact with their technology, yeah, and how they deal with robots and like the attitude of the little sister character was kind of refreshing in a way. <laughs> oh yeah, she immediately adopted. Uh, when she comes, oh, you're, my brother brought a girl home. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, well, you're staying. Good. Fine. Yep. Yeah, I remember that part. Right. Because, well, that gets into, like, the societal attitude towards robots. Which is that, like, everybody except the main character regards robots as just, like, tools. You know, and that they're not, they're not things that people should have, like, feelings for. And so, so when like, so when like the little sister finds that, you know, the main character has brought a robot girl home, it's like, she doesn't see, she doesn't see the robot girl as a girl. She sees it as a robot. And it's like, when she learns, oh, she can cook. Yes, please make me dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Like I said, that. I I didn't glean. I, I watched way too much anime. I'll just admit that right now. Yeah. Way too much. Uh, yeah. There was an awful lot to watch. So yeah. So you know, even though I, I figure you know we're you know we're probably like the the basic plot is probably not going to be all that in all that great, but. The, the little the little details the little details kind of uh, I think uh, elevated it somewhat. Uh huh. So I would give it a kind of uh, somewhere between a strong three and a light four uh, in terms of my rating. Eh, okay, I could see that. I, I could see that. I mean, it was. Uh, I think. I think it was. You know. The yeah, the production values were pretty solid. It was paced well. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's worth at least another episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm... okay, boss, right. that's it. Go on, move. Sounds good. I'm much, just much. Making sure. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about Kokoku episodes one and two. Uh, again, this is one where I only watched the first episode, but I definitely want to watch more of it um, because the first episode was really interesting. Um, it's basically a show where about this family where um, the female leads brother um, and is it the nephew? Yeah, the nephew. Uh, get kidnapped and it turns out the dad has this the grandfather uh, yeah the grandfather knows this secret technique that they can use their family can use to stop time Uh, well it's it's because they have this magical artifact 
Yeah, they got a magical artifact and stuff, and they can use it to take spirits into their body or whatever to stop time. And then, but wait, there are other people who also have the same power, but not as good because the family, because the grandfather can also teleport. Uh, It's it's Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, who's got the Dragon Ball? I I kind of like how the show escalates um, in terms of, like, power level. Uh, and that starts out seeming fairly normal, but then the time stop happens, and then the teleportation happens, and then at the end of the first episode, there's a giant tree god <laughs> that just comes out, of, comes out of... Well, not tree god, but giant tree spirit thing that just comes out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really interesting show. There's no not a whole lot of like character dynamics going on, but uh, it's a very fast, fast-paced um, uh, plotting, and the events are interesting. So I kind of don't care that there's not a whole lot of character development going on. Well, uh, well, I like the okay, way I, I like the way the show. I mean, it, I I wouldn't say that they're like about the family di- the the character dynamics because it. I thought the the first half of the first episode was very good at laying out like like the dynamics of this dysfunctional family. Oh yeah, I, I think it, it does a good job of laying the groundwork of who these characters are and how they relate to each other. Um, I'm just saying it's not a show that is primarily about them interacting with each other and growing off of each other. At least not from the first episode. Um, <sighs> It's possible it's being a lot more heavy on plot just to sort of uh, get make you sure, in the door. Yeah, make sure um, you got the hook sunk. Yeah, but like I, I'm perfectly fine with the sort of distribution of attention they gave the uh, character dynamics as opposed to the uh, like just moment to moment plot elements. Yeah, the uh, well, yeah the, the pacing the, structure of the episode was very good uh, the violence in the second episode I'm hoping that but I got a feeling that it's going to be normal violence if this is the way that uh, I'm trying to remember what they call the uh, tree things but if this is the way they act uh, that kind of violence I might find problematic depends on how they portray it yeah and 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 actually, the second episode sort of gets into the second episode gets into the the dynamics of the villains, where they're sort of uh, where they actually there's like a whole bunch of different motivations going on uh, on the villain side. Interesting. Yeah, yeah they're cult dri- they're cult driven. Well. But yeah, I, def- I definitely wanted to watch the second episode. I just literally did not have enough time for it. Yeah. Hey, you know, with your working schedule, I'm really surprised that you even have time to do a podcast anymore. Well, also, I was gone for four days. Well, oh, yeah, <laughs> so we, we forgot that. I was Antonio. We'll have to ask about that later, but not now. Yeah. You know, guys, you don't get to figure out what goes on in San Antonio stays in San Antonio. Anyway, moving right along. Except for the con flu. Um, <laughs> oh, you didn't. No, I, I'm fine, but uh, a couple of my Canadian friends were not so lucky. <laughs> um, I know about this. But yeah, but... I, I give Kokoku episode one a five. I really enjoyed that first yes. episode. 
I agree. I'm going to go with a five and a four just for the violence in the fourth episode or in the second episode. Whatever. <laughs> See, now you made me drop my pen. All right. So uh, here's another show that I was like genuinely shocked by how much I enjoyed it. A Place Further Than the Universe, uh, which yeah. at first seems like it's going to be a very generic cute girls doing cute things show. <laughs> and I guess technically it is, but yo, the the dialogue is just way better than I am used to seeing from these sorts of shows. It's called good writing. Yeah, like, and they don't even really diverge from the typical character archetypes um it's just that that's not all they make the characters they give them some depth uh they give them some nuance and if Uh, they have realistic well yeah uh i was gonna hedge there but like you know somewhat realistic uh interactions with each other uh, that are like genuinely fun and funny yeah if i remember right that's madhouse uh, is it? Let me check real quick, because I cannot remember. Uh, I know I've seen a couple of Madhouses when I'm going through the... I've been watching credits, guys. You know, you got me stuck on ending yeah. themes again. Let me see here. Um, I'm checking, 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 checking. Why da, da, can't this da, be easier? Da, 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 da. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's Madhouse. Well, right. yeah. yeah I... The uh, director, the director was the same one who did uh, Prince of Stride Alternative and No Game, No Life. Yeah, Atsuko Ishizuka. Yeah. Uh, also directed Monster. Uh, no. She. Wait, hold on, it. it... Oh, my apologies. Not directed. He was art setting and storyboard. She, my apologies. Yes, she, she. I mean, she might have been. On, yeah, she might have been on the staff, but. Uh, yeah, on staff for that show. Whoops. Yeah, the um, uh, the director of Monster, the director of Monster was a different guy. Uh, who? All right. But yeah, this this these first two episodes, and like this is one of the few shows where I actually you know managed to watch both episodes. Um were like uh, a lot of fun um the main character especially even though she seems like she's going to be the sort of like a cheerful ditzy archetype um is kind of only that way because she has a lot of anxiety about like her life and how she feels like she's just wasting all her time and even though she doesn't want to uh she's also terrified of failure um and that prevents her from you know taking the risk she needs to do the things she wants to accomplish and boy is that relatable yeah a fun fact uh, the lead character's voice in this also was the lead character in, or one of the leads in uh, Girls' Last Tour. That's Cheeto's voice. Huh. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's another show I need to marathon. Yeah. Um, uh, careful on marathoning that. Seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like all of the characters uh, in this show 
are very good and a lot yeah. of fun and also very different from each other. And, um, and even though, again, they, they touch on, like, they you can, like, clearly uh, trace a line to the, the archetype that they're meant to embody, um, they do not adhere nearly as closely to those cookie-cutter archetypes as a lot of other shows of this type, you know, force their characters into. Well, and, you know, when we get there, we're going to go searching for the... Uh tall one's mother and uh yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that actually turns out because i get the vibe that uh yeah it's yeah episode 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 three is out now by the way so you got something to look forward to uh yeah and uh, yeah i i'm you know i guess i'll restrict my discussion to just episodes one and two but episode three is great well thank you sir uh, yeah, I, I talked for a lot, so you guys well, should probably uh, say something. <laughs> let's let's make it because we've got a lot of stuff that's airing uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So somewhere along the line, uh, so we don't end up with people watching stuff that's not going to watch stuff. We should probably come up with a ground rule for this season on what shows. Oh yeah, we'll we'll do that after we finish. Recording. Okay, I we'll just wanted to mention it while it popped up in my brain because my brain yeah. is. It's been having a it's been having a time of it lately. Yeah, the yeah, what's what get what gets me about yeah, like I like like the way the characters written, you know, is because even though they somewhat conform to their archetypes, they each each of the characters has a different side to them, you know. So there's there's more dimension to it. Which, yeah. And also, like, the, the third character they meet, for example, who is the sort of very, like, bombastic kind of uh, devil-may-care girl, like, she's actually just super smart. <laughs> yeah, she, she's one of those smart 16-year-olds that you got to be careful about. Right. Yeah, because, right, because uh, she, like... Yeah, she like didn't go. She didn't go to high school, but she basically got her GED, and she's you know. So studying, she's studying she's, for college. She's studying on her own. Yeah, she she's studying for college, but uh, since she is also smart enough, she's decided that hey, I can work for a couple of years before I got to go to school. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, know that type. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, what's also impressive is. Is the uh, is the plotting, because like because it's it's like the way that you know the way that these characters come together is it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and and also like there's uh, again in, in a lot of these shows there would be just some you know magic coincidence that lets them do the thing they're they're doing whereas in a place further in the universe like they haven't even gotten on the ship to antarctica yet the first two episodes are all about the difficulty of getting high schoolers on a ship to antarctica because normally that is not allowed yeah well and the other thing is for uh, very good reasons and, and 
the other thing is, is the one she has been trying forever. In fact, she's got the nickname of uh, Antarctica around school because that's all she ever does and talks about. And, you know, it's like when they were standing there going, well, you got to go out and introduce yourself. And then they push her out and she goes out, bows and comes back. She goes, why? Because they all know me. You shouldn't have done that. Oops. <laughs> right. Bad news. Um. Uh, Boy, rating system on this is easy. I give it a five. Yeah, five. I, yeah, everything I've seen so far, five. And I, I've seen all the first three episodes, so yeah, I'm bad. Yeah, five. Uh, also, because I completely forgot on these last three, uh, you can watch... Uh, Beatless is currently streaming on Amazon Prime, Uh Kokoku is also streaming on Amazon Prime, and uh, Place Further Than the Universe is on Crunchyroll. Sure uh, is. Next, next up is Yuru Camp, which I cannot remember what this is. It's, it's just it's, uh, I haven't seen it, but from what I gather, it's uh, cute girls going camping. All right, it, it, I can't see it on the simulcast list, so it's. Um... Yeah, it's. I mean, Ben's pretty much got it's cute girls go camping, but it's cute girls go camping with a twist. Uh, and is the twist that they are all being chased by a murderous bear? Not yet. Okay. Uh, uh, of course, you know. Well, let me know when that happens. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll well, start watching. <laughs> well, but murderous bear. Okay. <laughs> Murder, murder. Folks, help me here. I'm, uh, I'm trying not to I have a, do it. I my haven't watched it. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, I watched it because it was on my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know that's not much of a well. You're explanation. You're more into you're into more like these these cute girls doing whatever kind of shows than I am. I, I'm in. Well, I got hooked on the ones that started taking me around Japan and showing all me all these scenic places that I've got a list now of places I want to go because I've seen them in anime. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> so, you know, stuff happens. I feel like we all have some sort of list right there. Um, yep, stuff happens. Fill them at 11. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do you want to talk about Eurocamp at all, considering you're the only one who's watched it? Or I don't know. No, you I, 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 I didn't know. We can, we can skip that. All right. Uh, we'll instead move on to uh, Koiwa Ameagari no Yoni. Hey, I think you can just call it. I, I think you can just call it after the rain. Yep. After the rain. Okay. Because the, the title translates as like love comes after the rain or something like that. Yep. Oh, it's that one. That's the one about the guy who's a little older than he could could be. That's being scoped out by the girl who's a little younger than she should be. Yeah, yeah I very deliberately skipped this. Oh, uh, well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, the premise. The premise sounds pretty awful on paper, uh, but in execution, it's a good show. It is. Uh, like, I mean, maybe, but even though I'm just gonna avoid it on principle. Well, you could. That's that's fine. Uh, you know, these first weeks when we watch shows, we've talked about a lot of stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, fine, right. sure, whatever. So that's I, I, 
I'm going to keep watching it because uh, so far the groundwork that's being laid, it, it was surprising. Yeah, I mean, like, Especially yeah, it's, so like in this ep- in the first episode, it's all about getting into the head of of the, of the girl. Like she's like she's this, uh, you know, she was this, uh, you know, track and field athlete. You know, except she uh, she injured her uh, Achilles Achilles tendon. Yep. Yep, that's an that was definitely a tear. Yeah, and and you can even you know, like in there there's there's shots where it, where you can see the scar on her on her heel. Uh, and a torn Achilles does tend to put a track and field person out of commission permanently. Right. You know. So she's like, you know. So she's you know working. So she's working at this like uh, working at this restaurant. And she starts, uh, you know, she she has a crush on she has a crush on the manager, who's actually a cool dude. He's like this, he's like this uh, kind of a goofball. Uh, he he's um, not well organized, right? You know, and and he has absolutely no idea that she's into him because she like she never she never expresses herself out loud i mean like so like there was that there was that one hint where he looked out the door saw her and said yeah that ain't gonna happen so i mean he 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 knows that she's on the planet and that she exists but yeah he figures pretty much that you know uh, she's out of his league, or he's out of her league, or however you want to look at yeah, it. Yeah, right. Because like, yeah. So like, so like, by the end of the episode, he, I think he started to get an inkling that uh, that she's interested in him. But uh, well, he, when when he walked in and caught her wrapped up in his shirt, sniffing it, yeah, I think he might have figured that something might have been going on there. Right, but uh, but yeah, at this point, well, the, at this point, he's like. Yeah, there's no way this is going anywhere. Uh, well, I think the part that I liked is when she was in the restaurant and uh, one waitress goes, you know, she goes back and she finds the, the kid playing the recorder in the back very loud. And uh, and the one waitress goes, oh, yeah, it's his son. And she goes, and she explodes. And then later in the, later on, she says, yeah, but his wife's an idiot because she walked off and left him. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. He's not married. He's married. No, he's not. Oh, he. Oh, oh. yeah. And the facial expressions that she has throughout this episode are like, okay, speaking volumes, lots of them. Yeah, this this shows, you know, like the main, like the main, the main character is like she she never says things out loud, but the way she expresses herself non verbally is very well done. Yeah. And you know, I mean, um, yeah, just the direction, I, the direction, I, the direction, and the pacing of this show is top notch. The thing that I'm looking at, because throughout my life, I've got friends, and I've got friends who I got quite a few years between them, and. I'm kind of looking at this going, hmm, so, okay, this is how this works, maybe. But I'm also taking it for its entertainment value because it is entertaining. She, she you never quite know what this girl's going to do next. 
Yeah, I I was yeah. so what the, I was really impressed by this episode. I'm going to give it a 5. Yeah. Uh yeah, I can I can go along with that 5 very well. Uh it's uh the the next All episode. Right. <laughs> Dusty, like I said, look. Um you know, it, it's okay. Ben and I can do it on later if we don't do it on a regular basis because I like I said narrowing this list down to five with knowing that manga spread is going to stay on it yeah there's going to be some stuff that we're not going to review yeah uh speaking of things I don't think we're gonna review anymore of uh killing bites episode one uh I did not actually make it all the way through this episode I just closed the window after the first half. Oh, that bad, huh? Yeah, like it was. It was real rough. Um, I was hoping it would kind of be like a fun, ridiculous, uh, fighting anime, and instead, it just made me feel gross. Uh, like the very first thing that happens is like a bunch of dudes capture the main female character to rape her in a bus. Uh, well, the van, whatever. This, you know, doesn't end up happening because she is a deadly animal person. She's a hun- she's but a honey still, badger. <laughs> but still, it is not a great way to start your show if you're trying to make me like you. Um, the male character who survives and is apparently supposed to be our viewpoint character just sucks a whole lot. Uh, he's not interesting or fun in the slightest. He's just terrible. Well, tell um, us how you really feel. <sighs> the main female character is fine. Um, she has a very generic, like, tough girl attitude where she's just kind of angry but doesn't have much of a personality outside of that. Uh, also, unlike the lion dude, uh, who she fights in this episode, um, the lion dude, when he transforms, not only does he, is he basically, like, all, all lion, but also he gets to keep his pants on, uh, whereas, as far as I can tell, the honey badger just never wears pants, she's just always, like, in a very, very loose-fitting tank top and uh, panties. Uh, And also, like, her animal transformation is mostly like, oh, she's got some more hair on her legs and arms, but she's still a sexy lady. (laughs) Uh, So that was very eye-rolly for me and it seems like the other female animals are going to be following a similar suit where yeah they'll have animal bits to them but you know they're still going to be sexy ladies uh in other words somebody the dialogue the dialogue is just so bad it's just so over the top in a trying way too hard to be like edgy sort of way that i just could not stand it you know, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I can, I can see where your criticisms are coming from, but I still enjoyed the episode because I like Honey Badger Girl. I like her attitude. I like her, I like her 
just not taking any crap badassery. So, I, yeah. I mean, like, yes, the, the, like, the main male character is a complete void as a character. Uh, he's like, yeah, he, he's just like this regular dude who gets sucked into this, sucked into this, like, like, I guess, uh, you know, like, uh, animal, animal people fighting tournament thing. Yeah, like, he spends most of his time going, what's this? What's going on? Please explain this to me. So you can, like, pretend to have a, an excuse to do a bunch of exposition. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he has he has no real character. Uh, yeah, the only the only person who has real really has character is Hitomi, the honey badger girl. But she's got plenty enough for this whole for plenty enough for this episode. I don't know. I would I would honestly kind of argue that Hitomi doesn't have any more character than the main than the male lead does. It's just that her very cardboard cutout character is a lot more tolerable because it may, mostly boils down to she's angry and likes to fight people. <laughs> Um, which it, it just in general is a lot more tolerable if you're going to have someone that's very simplistically written. Um, but if I wanted a stone cold badass female character, there are a lot of other shows I could just like watch instead, uh, that would have way better writing and just yeah. a way better character design that didn't make me feel like everybody working on this show was jacking off while they were animating it. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, speaking of that, yeah, the uh, the end of the episode's got uncensored boobs. Uh, why does that not surprise me at oh, all? Actually, that did surprise me, because usually they censor that crap. But not this time. Also, holy crap, the opening sequence... The opening theme was so bad. <laughs> like... The song was just not good at all, and the anim the opening animation was just super boring too. Uh, Boy, it's honesty, huh? Okay, so uh, I won't put that yeah. on my list. Uh, yeah, I on a scale of one to like, zero, where you the only thing I liked about this show was the premise, which they proceeded to screw up almost immediately. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> So I'm going to give this show a one, and I will definitely not be giving it any more episodes. I'm going to give it a three. All right. Uh, let's move on to Garo, episode 13. Which, man, speaking of openings, they swapped out the really, really good uh, OP for the first season with a really kind of generic opening for this season. I was very disappointed to find they changed yeah, it. Yeah, no more jam project. What the hell is up with that? Yeah. Yeah, and like the song they replaced it with is just not very good. <laughs> like no. it's not bad, but also it's not memorable at all. Eh. Yeah, it was okay, but not jam project. Yeah, and then they don't have the cool like uh like liquid graphite opening sequence anymore for the animation. It's it's depressing. Sounds like a budget um, cut. Uh, but, I mean, I don't see how it'd be a budget cut. They could just keep the animation they had before. <laughs> they could just not change it. It would cost less money to do it that way. Don't ask, look, don't ask me. I, I, you know, 
I, I look at this stuff from time to time and try to figure out why do they do what they do what they do and it's like no yeah uh, anyway aside from that like <laughs> episode 13 itself was pretty fun um largely because it was a gina focused episode and gina is a very fun character um she very much gets the focus and uh she gets to have the cool fight scene right because uh because they go to this, uh, yeah, they go to this uh, Makai Alchemist village, uh, and then go to this, go to this, uh, I, I guess, go to this place where she gets tested, uh, tested by this uh, spirit, who uh, you know when she passes the test by, you know, fighting off other spirit things, then uh, uh, they, they yeah. give, you know, they drop some knowledge on the party. <laughs> yeah also she buys a lot of guns which is also a very fun sequence where she's talking to the weapon like makai weapons dealer <laughs> and he's like hey so here, yeah, you bought some bullets for me how about this sweet gatling gun she's like yeah sure why not <laughs> oh she also gets a, a new set uh, a new set of earrings it's like oh it's like uh, they're like what's that and she's like well they're just accessories yeah, gotta treat, gotta yeah, treat myself gotta, once in a while. Take, yeah, gotta take, gotta take care of yourself. Do some self care uh, occasionally when you're spending most of your life fighting demons. <laughs> Something leads me to believe that would be a hard life in real life. Oh yeah, uh, it's generally speaking, Garo never really presents the life of a Makai alchemist or of a Makai knight to be one that is particularly enviable. Um, it's more something that is kind of necessary, uh, but mostly kind of sucks to do uh, because you don't get to have much of a normal existence and uh, you'll probably eventually end up dying horribly. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Thought. Yeah, so, yeah. If not something that's generally portrayed as a thing that is asked that that you'd want to be saddled with uh but yeah i really like this fight scene um especially like uh at the beginning where she's fighting off a bunch of like spirit wolves with her bow and arrow and she does some you know sick trick shots and uh uses magic glyphs to fire a bunch of homing magic arrows uh in a in a way it kind of reminded me of dragon's dogma uh, and the magic archer class there, um, a lot of similarities, but it was it was pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gina was cool, but was, was yeah, yeah. And she yeah, she was the focus of most of that. But there was also, it seems they're trying to build up Sophie as having a kind of. Uh, uh, mystical significance in the overplot here. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely trying to make her um, like special in more in, in a way that's more than just like she happens to be, you know, a lot more uh, daring uh, than other kids her age. Like it does seem like she's supposed to have some mystical stuff going on with her. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, 
yeah, her brother's tied into her brother's tied into the whole El Dorado thing. Yeah, and not so subtly. Like uh, it seems pretty obvious that her brother is gonna be and is gonna end up being the king of El Dorado that is spoken of in hushed voices. Right. Um. So yeah, like the the show is not very subtle about its mysteries, but that's okay. I, that's fine. It, it's yeah, I don't I, really expect that from Garo. Yeah, it, I, like <laughs> right. So yeah, the way they're building up Sophie is intriguing, and I hope I hope they deliver on the promise. Yeah, I hope she gets to do things other than be like a sidekick that follows them around. Um. But yeah, I enjoyed this episode. I will give it, you know, I'll give it a five. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll give it a four. I thought it was solid. All right. Uh, let's move on to Hakata Tonkotsu Ramens, episode one. A show about a world of hitmen. Um, where there are good hitmen and, well, for certain definitions of good anyway, uh, and some very clearly evil hitmen. <laughs> um, and also just a business that is literally just employs hitmen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, calling their company Red Rum, a little on the nose there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I it's it's a very kind of like uh, goofy premise, uh, and I don't know. I despite its goofiness, um, it's a goofy premise that that also takes the premise somewhat seriously in in the show itself, um, which normally would be kind of jarring, but uh, they managed to balance the tone fairly well, I think. Uh, I was initially really worried when one well, of the first hitmen you meet uh, is a crossdresser. I was like, oh god, is this going to be like the, oh, he's crazy, and he dresses like a woman because he's crazy. But no, actually, he's probably one of the most well-adjusted people on the show. <laughs> like, right, yeah, like, it's just, you know, it's just a, it's just a quirk of his character, and not, you know, and not like uber you know not like uber defining his sexuality or anything like that yeah and also like the one person who like calls him slurs like is one of the least likable people on the show like he's clearly a jerk uh so yeah they kind of i was really worried for a second uh but then they salvaged it um but yeah i I really like the main character, or he seems like he's going to be the main character because he's the one uh, with the most clear motivation that we've been given. Uh, he's got a revenge motive, basically, um, for, I think, his brother being killed, I want to say. Uh, wait. If I remember correctly. Well, let's see. Something about his brother. Well, let's see. I think the crossdresser... He's like, it, yeah. that's about it. Th yeah, that's who I'm talking no, about. No, I think it's about his, uh, I think he's, he's, he's like, uh, I think he's trying to raise money for his sister. 
Oh, okay, yeah. I knew it was some sort of family member. Yeah. I just couldn't remember exactly what. But he has the most, like, clear and, like, f- f- reasonably righteous motivation. Um, it's just that he d- does it by murdering people. <laughs> um but yeah, I it's it's kind of a like fun little show. It doesn't have, uh, it's not gonna like blow your socks off in any capacity. Like the animation is, you know, fairly good. The writing is perfectly serviceable. Um, there's nothing really to write home about, but it is like a fun way to spend twenty four minutes uh, with like some likable characters and a interesting enough plot um yeah so like i'm i'm gonna keep watching it uh i i'm not expecting a whole lot from it uh but i enjoyed my time with yeah it, it was wasn't uh it wasn't particularly deep but it was entertaining enough i'll give it a four yeah i definitely agree with that um and then I think there's just one more. Right, yeah. Darling in the Franks, episode one. Uh, the trigger anime with giant robots that I think we were all excited for. Somewhat disappointing. Um, it's interesting because I mentioned this on Twitter, but I feel like a lot. Darling in the Franks to me feels like a robot show cobbled together from a bunch of different better robot shows um for example like the the whole idea behind how the robots are piloted uh in uh male female pairs where emotions play a big part of it and like you're supposed to sync up and they're called darlings uh like uh, you know we yeah like we've seen that happen in aquarian evil um and the the mecha designs themselves uh look a whole hell of a lot like the ones we've seen in star driver uh very uh sort of human exaggerated slender uh designs very sort of they the robots look like they are uh people from like renaissance france Mm. (laughs) uh with like a bunch of fancy clothes on except it's just metal uh much like how the star driver robots were just meant to look like very fancy people um uh, also just the way the robot moves also feels a lot like the very agile um part of star driver uh, a lot, uh, some of like the enemy design feels uh, sort of like a mix between Eureka Seven and uh, Gurren Lagann. Uh, there's a lot of influences going on here, but mostly it just serves to make me think, man, I liked the first episodes of these other mecha shows a lot more than the first episode of this one. <laughs> Uh, and it's not even necessarily that it's a bad first episode. I, I certainly don't think it's bad. Um, it's just not particularly noteworthy. Uh, the main character is sort of Shinji-esque, mm-hmm. but 
is not as compelling as Shinji. Um, the other characters really barely get any time to be anything more than kind of cardboard cutouts. Uh, the 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 pairs themselves, unlike an Aquarian Evol, are explicitly only heterosexual pairings, which the show might comment on. You know, that would be neat if it did. I'm skeptical, but we'll see. Uh, and kind of the only thing that stood out to me about it, um, other than the kind of cool fight scene at the end, uh, was the female lead, who's basically a succubus. Uh, yeah. Actually, her uh, her name, like, okay, one of the things that was interesting about this is uh, is what they do with names and numbers. Yeah, there's there's flower metaphors all all over this thing. Now, I yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about the flower metaphors. I'm talking about the uh, I'm talking about the uh, like the naming the, the significance of the names. Uh, because. Uh, because everybody's name is based on a number, uh, based on like, like the pronunciation of nu- of their of their numerals. Uh, so like, right? So like, uh, so like uh, the main character is Hero, uh, and his number is one six. Uh, and and so and and the main female character. Her number is uh, her number is zero two, and the way you would pronounce that as a name is Oni, which is why she has horns, and why and and why she's like drawn to look sort of demonic, because it, it's actually a cute little pun. I also just like like that design, and again, I feel it plays into kind of the succubus aspects of how she works, um, in that she is um, uh, a has a dominant personality and is said to consume the men uh, she partners with in the robots, um, basically like draining their life force. That's actually not um, something you see in a lot of other robot shows. No, it's not, uh, which is why she is the most interesting part of Darling in the Franks for me. Um, it, it did really irritate me that they did the whole, oh, main character meets the female character by walking in on her naked. Uh, they do do a little subversion with that, um, and the part where she leaps out of the water with a fish in her mouth is genuinely funny, um, but... I don't think the subversion was enough to justify, like, the very... Like, they literally only did that just to have her be naked for the first episode. Um, there's <clears throat> nothing There's nothing particular that happened in their first interaction that really required her to be naked. Um, well, it plays up... Uh, yeah, it, well, it plays up with her, like... It plays up, it plays with uh, her, the way her, her sexuality is depicted, in that she... I mean, like, yeah, but you don't need to be nude to do that, necessarily. Like, eh, uh, no, I think, nah, I, I, thought, I thought it was fine. 
I don't know. I think I think it was trying to have its cake. Well, I appreciated that um, she didn't just like you know. I mean, okay, she sort of you know called it. You know, she called the main character a pervert. You know, called hero a pervert, but was sort of being sarcastic and sort of being sarcastic about it. And you know, she, I mean, I would just prefer that we let the trope die once and for all. Well, I appreciated <laughs> that the way this thing was handled was that uh, they weren't. It was that she wasn't a purity archetype. Yeah, I, I absolutely appreciate that, and I think that needs to happen more often. Just the way they go about presenting that is the dumbest way and most pandering way you could possibly do that, where it feels like you're giving the female character agency over her sexuality, but doing it in such a way to still let the male audience look in some titties. So it kind of rings hollow to me a bit, um, even though I do really like her character in that moment. Um, though also I do feel they kind of go a bit over the top with it. Uh, what she's almost too much. Where like during that scene, like she not only um, kind of messes with him, but also like starts licking him as well. <laughs> mm. And, I don't know, it just felt, like, a little much. Eh, I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't watch um, it. But, yeah, it's... Darling in the Franks, just in general, is, is kind of weird in that it, it could... It has the potential to be a very good show, um, but the first episode... At least in the first episode, like the only thing I that it's really making me care about watching the next one is Oni. Like that's it. Uh, uh, everything else just just makes me think. Yeah, Star Driver and Aquarian Evil sure were good shows. <laughs> yeah, this isn't quite on their level yet, but I'm going to give it a chance to. Uh, I'm going to give it a chance to see what it does. Also, they had to have a goddamn pervy old man, didn't they? Yeah, that was annoying. Can't we just have a grandpa who doesn't touch women's butts without their permission? Just for once, please. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I'm glad I didn't watch that. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'm going to give this episode a three. I'm going to give it a four. Alright, so that'll do it well, for uh, this episode of BakaCast, I believe, unless oh. someone wants to chime in with another okay, show. Okay, so uh, Mira no Kaikata is a cute pet show, except the pet is a little tiny mummy. Oh, right. I heard of this show. It was okay. Had a, had a, certain, had a, little, had a certain charm to it, but wasn't anything special. Uh, Haku Hoshin Engi oh. was a mess. <sighs> because they they basically they basically tried to pack like three or four episodes worth of story into one episode. Like the pacing okay. and direction was terrible. <sighs> oh right, I completely forgot about that show. I remember I was mentioning I was going to watch it, and then I completely forgot it existed. Um, also, I forgot to chime in, uh, so 
I think um, all of us watched uh, a Pop Team Epic, but we just didn't review it because it's kind of impossible to. <laughs> I didn't, but that's <laughs> like, all right. It's not a show you really review. It's a show that happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like TQ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... I'm still not sure. I, I really I'm, enjoyed the first episode. Semi-enjoyed it. Uh, the part where they basically repeated the first half of the episode in the second half, shot for shot, only changing... only But with different with voices. Different voice actors <laughs> got old. Got really old after a while. I kind of appreciate the audacity of yes. it because I was initially like, okay, is this just going to be like a one-off bit? And like, no, they just do the entire episode over again. Yeah. I, I could, <laughs> Just because they could. Yeah, I kind of appreciated like that, okay, these guys are committed to trolling the audience. Yeah, I think that's why I like it. <laughs> I, th- I think I have definitely have the most positive reaction to it than out of all of us. No, I, I'm semi-positive, but I, I, de- I definitely have mixed feelings about this, the episode as a whole. Yeah, I, I totally get how Pop Team Epic would just not at all be someone's cup of tea. Uh, comedy is always subjective, but Pop Team Epic in particular uh, caters to a very specific brand of humor. So Warped? Um, that was a question. But yeah, I I I liked it a lot. Uh, so oh, I was asking okay. if it was catering to a warped sense of humor. Another, uh, it's it's catered to like Twitter humor. Like Pop warped. Team Epic is essential is basically Twitter shit posts, but in animated form. Yeah, warped or yeah, think of it as basically like uh, think of it as like Drill's Twitter feed. Yeah, that that's also a good way of putting it. Is like drill, but if drill were too like cute school schoolgirls, except they're not cute at all. I mean, for Pop Team Epic's particular art style, they're 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 non traditionally cute. They are cute in the way that a mascot character is cute. <laughs> okay, I see. I think so. Like. No, they're not cute. Cause like, like the tall girl, her like her head is like bigger than the rest of her body. Well, yeah, but that's like, again, it, they're they're not like cute in terms of what you'd think when describing like cute girls doing cute things. But they're not they grotesque cute in the way that you would envision like uh, a cartoon animal, like that maybe Sanrio created or something like no. that. But occasionally they flip you the bird. So in other no. words, are not are the Ren and Stimpy. The other one, the other one, I could see that, but the tall one, no. Every time I look at her, I just have this unsettled, off-putting feeling. I don't know what you're talking about. The tall one is adorable. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, uh, to put this in, uh, anything like Ren and Stimpy or. Uh, no, uh, it's not because Ren and Stippy is grotesque. Okay, um, like intentionally so. Uh, again, I, I would describe the character design of the main characters as much more like 
Japanese animal mascot. Uh. <laughs> oh, okay. Except, except they're human beings, but they're drawn as it, but they're drawn in the style you would expect to see from an animal mascot. Uh, yeah. Let's see. In other other shows, okay, Grand Crest Senki. I saw the first episode of that. Actually, thought it was. I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, the oh, okay. Uh, okay. Fun fact: the director was the same guy who did uh, Rakugo Shinju. Huh. All right. Uh, yeah. And uh, well, the original author, the original author of the light novel, uh, was the same guy who wrote Lodos War. And the main female character is awesome. Like, like she gets things done. All right, I will have to check that out next week. Um, I assume uh, when Aaron gets back, uh, you and he will probably have some things to talk about with the second season of Overlord. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure you. I'm not sure you watched it. I mean, I he, I think okay. he read the. Because I remember both of you really liked that yeah. show. I don't think he watched it. I think he just read the manga. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> we are talking about Aaron. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, next time we record, um, Fate Extra Last Encore will have aired. So I'll definitely be talking about that one. Um, because it contains my other saber waifu, uh, Nero. And yeah, I think that's about it. Um, it's seven o'clock. Uh, that's normally when I would uh, start getting to bed. So uh-huh. uh, that'll be it for this episode of Bobcast. Uh, as always, uh, you can send us. Wait, hold on. Do we have comments? No. Crap. I forgot. I don't think so. I don't remember seeing Three. any. Let me ch- check real quick. Okay, no, we don't. I'm saved. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> please, please. please Please send us comments next time, though, because I do enjoy reading your comments, even if it's just a dunk on me. Um, you can send them in either uh, by posting to our blog at projectharhi.net uh, or on audioentropy.com. Uh, both websites will take comments. Uh, you can also send us an email at pro- uh, at pro- <laughs> bakacast at projectharhi.net. <laughs> Uh, or you can tweet me at still and you can tweet me at that's Slinky. and you can find me sitting behind my computer reading my website going what did you post uh, and uh, if you uh, want to hear more from uh, Emerald uh, you can uh, uh, listen to other stuff she's done on audio entropy uh which includes, I believe, uh, Home for Infinite Losers, uh, which is a um, a, pod- a podcast about Dragon Ball that uh, Luke and Emily recently started up. I will hopefully be guesting on some of those episodes because, hell yeah, I want to talk about Dragon Ball. Um, also, she is on War and Beast, a podcast about uh, Beast Wars, the... Uh, still my favorite transformers show um there's probably more uh, we tend to get around on uh, between the various auto and entry b podcasts but those are the two i know of off the top of my head uh with that out of the way ben Nothing. three two 
Kiribosh. Kiribosh. Hopefully it's warming up where you are, but if it's still cold, remember, June's right around the corner. Bye-bye.